Firm of Foundation, what a fitting song to lead into tonight's uh, study that I've, I've prepared for, you, for us. Uh, I'm going to speak tonight concerning foundations of our faith, and I'll be preaching for the next three Wednesday evenings, so I've planned a three-phase study in the foundations of our faith. And tonight, we're going to begin by looking at the first foundation of our faith, and that is doctrine. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, we'll read together, beginning at verse number 12. You can remain seated uh, as we read. Beginning at verse 12 of Romans chapter 6, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. In other words, what he's saying there is, now that you're saved, live righteously with the same fervor that you used to live unto sin. Verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray before we go any further. Father... We do indeed praise you and thank you for our Savior Jesus. And Lord, so unworthy are we, yet you chose us. And you called us unto unto righteousness. And you've, you've empowered us to live in holiness. And now we ask that you would teach us tonight, instruct us from your word. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to your guidance and ask that you would be the, the oracle of God tonight. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Foundations. Um, I was a son of a carpenter, and I spent many, many years as a carpenter working with my father, and we built many houses together, he and I. And the first thing we always did was lay the foundation. Uh, the foundation is, is essential. It, 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 it has to, everything must be built on, on the foundation. If you have a faulty foundation, then you'll have a faulty home, a faulty house. So everything uh, revolves around the foundation. <clears throat> uh, I like to. I used to enjoy going visit our state capitol in in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the state capitol is one of the tallest buildings in Louisiana, which is quite a quite an accomplishment when you consider that the water table in Louisiana is only about two feet deep, uh, two feet under the ground. So uh, I was always amazed that the truth of the matter is that the Louisiana state capitol, uh, the foundation goes deeper 
than the height of the building itself. And they had to dig and dig and dig and dig and pump and pump and pump and dig and dig and dig and pump and pump and pump till they could reach something solid to lay that building on. We read uh, tonight from Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 48. We read here, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Now the stability of our spiritual lives depends upon the foundation upon which it's laid. And the strength of our foundation lies in the doctrine that we follow. We read just a moment ago that that Paul said in, in verse 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now the definition of doctrine in a general sense means whatever is taught. Hence doctrine is a principle or position in any science. Whatever is laid down is true by an instructor or master. So there are many doctrines. There are doctrines of mathematics. There are doctrines of science. There are, thought, there are doctrines of psychology. Uh, in, in, its, in its truest definition, doctrine is quite simply teaching. That's what is meant by doctrine. So the doctrines of the gospel, then, are the principles or truths taught by Christ and his apostles. Um, it sometimes becomes, thank you, it is disturbing to me the way people choose a church today. I do a lot of visiting and, and, and I visit with people and, and when I speak to them about, about a church and when I speak to them about their, uh, their, their needs in church, I get all kind of answers. Well, some people say, well, well you know, I, I, I'm looking for a church that has more lively music. I'm looking for a church where the music is a little more contemporary. I, you know, I mean, yeah, the old hymns of faith, they're great, but I'm looking for something that moves me, uh, some music, you know. And, that's what I, and, and some people choose their church by the music that, that's presented. Others look for some sort of program, be it children's I know I know people that, that join a church like this only because of a children's program. I know people that began attending this church because of the Pioneer Club. And, and some people, they, they choose a church by, the, by, by what's available for their children. And by the way, I think children's programs are great, so much so that I approached a pastor and said, look, I'll, I'll direct the, 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 the children's ministry here, the program, for you. Um, some people choose a church by social activities. Uh, well, do you, have a, do you have a joyful woman's club? No, we got a crabby woman's club, but you can join that if you want. Some people choose a church by, by the social programs that are available. Oh, well, do you, have, you know, do you have young couples groups, and do you have this, and do you have that? And, and, and while, while I'm, not, I'm not saying these things are bad, I'm simply saying they're not foundational, amen? Um, some people tell me, well, I, I remember I visited a man once, and he said, well, we just don't feel comfortable when we attend your church. And I told him, I said, you know what, I don't want a church that makes me feel comfortable. If I want a pair of shoes, I'm going to find a pair that makes me comfortable. But if I want to go someplace 
where I desire to have my, my spirit and my, and my soul t- taught, I want a church that's going to give it to me exactly like I need to have it. And all the while, what a church teaches to these people is little of no importance. Some people don't care about doctrine. They don't care about what's being taught. They don't, they, don't, they don't care about that at all. Do you have the right music? Do you have the right program? Do you offer, do you offer me fun? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have times where I feel important? That's what, they, that's what they're looking for. It's all about the gratification of the flesh. And, and this is what people often consider in choosing a church. But, but what are we taught in Scripture? I'd like for you to turn with me to Titus. Let's go ahead and turn over to the book of Titus. Titus is directly before Hebrews. Titus, chapter 2. We read in Titus chapter 2, concerning Paul's instruction to, to Timothy, he says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. You notice those terms there, sound doctrine. Uh, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity, and patience, <clears throat> that aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Amen. We can close and go home. The, 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 the whole encapsulated truth of doctrine is found right here in Titus chapter 2. From this, we can see that Paul admonished Titus to anchor all that he teaches, all that he teaches in sound doctrine. Now, for the next three Wednesday evenings, I will speak on this matter of the foundations of the faith. But we will begin tonight with a look at our doctrine. Few things are as important as this. Tonight, each of us here must consider the doctrine to which we are exposing ourselves and our children. Now, as we consider doctrine tonight, allow me to share a few thoughts with you. Number one on your study sheets is this, doctrine determined. 
Doctrine determined. <clears throat> Sorry, I got to get the, I got to get all the swamp gas out of my body here. It's going to take a while. <clears throat> now we've already defined doctrine as that which is taught. However, we must understand that simply the declaration that something is being set forth as doctrine does not validate it as true doctrine. In order to be of value, doctrine must be able to stand up against the tests of truth. All doctrine must be proven. It must be tried against that which is true. If we test the doctrines of men such as Joel Olstein, we see that they do not hold to truth. They do not stand up against the tests of truth. There are certain undeniable proofs that validate truth. And these proofs must be applied to our doctrine before our doctrine can be approved. And what are they? Well, first tonight, letter A, is this. Truth does not change. Truth does not change. What was true yesterday will be true tomorrow. It will be true for eternity. In Galatians chapter 1, we read, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from, that, from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. A truth does not, a, a truth that changes, I'm sorry, a truth that changes is not a truth at all. It is merely a philosophy. Philosophies change as peoples change. But truth is always truth. True biblical doctrine must remain unaltered from the beginning unto the present. Oh, well, you say, but it's not, you know, times have changed. I know times have changed, but truth doesn't change. What was true when John the Baptist stood in the Jordan River baptizing is true tonight as I stand in this pulpit. Nothing has changed. Oh, man has changed. Philosophies have changed. Cultures have changed. But God has not changed. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, we read, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Boy, it's a good thing God doesn't change. Because you and I would be in big trouble tonight if he did. There's no new revelation from God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. No, May 21st came and went. There is no new revelation from God. Jesus said no man can know when, Jesus, when God will come again, and therefore no man can know. It's impossible. There is no new revelation. There are no, new, there are no revisions to the tenets of our faith. That which was from the beginning shall remain unto the end. Religious doctrines change on a regular basis. The truths once held to by many Baptists have been rethought today. They have been retaught to a, appeal to a corrupt generation. 
political and social changes have penetrated into the church today. And if we're not careful, they will corrupt even us as well. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus states, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Therefore, tonight, we must be very cautious concerning the doctrine that we accept. I love our pastor, but every time he teaches, I have my Bible open, because I will make sure that what I'm taught agrees with what God's Word says. Listen, I grew up Roman Catholic. I was deceived. I knew nothing of God. And when I got saved, I promised God that I would never allow another man to deceive me, that I would know his truth. And that's what we must do. Therefore, we must measure our doctrine by this first proof that it does not change. Then, letter B, truth does not compromise. Truth does not compromise. In Job chapter 11 and verse 4, we read, For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. Yes, truth is pure from error. There can be no variableness in truth. It must be perfect, and it must be unblemished. So such is the doctrine followed by Job, a doctrine that was delivered unto him by God. And we know that this is true, for in Job chapter 42 and verse 7, we read, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliaphas the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. And we know that Job's doctrine was true doctrine. It, was, it did not compromise. It was pure. And the same rings true today. We cannot mingle the truth of God with the philosophies of men. Our doctrine must be pure. It must be undefiled, not polluted by the world. As Paul states in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25, concerning false teachers, he writes, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We are not, listen, we are not to... We're not called to reword truth. We are simply called to proclaim truth as it has been given by God. So we see tonight that truth does not change. It does not compromise. <laughs> then the third proof of truth that I must state tonight is this. Truth does not corrupt. Truth does not corrupt. Lies corrupt. False teachings corrupt, but truth does not corrupt. In John chapter 16, we read, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Did you see what he said there? He said, He will guide you into all truth. Any doctrine that points to anyone or anything other than Christ is a corrupted doctrine. And let me also state that any doctrine that gives man the authority in choosing God is also a corrupted doctrine. John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus very clearly states, 
Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go forth and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Listen, I don't know about you, but I didn't choose God. I wanted nothing to do with God. I didn't want to have anything to do with with religion. I wasn't seeking God. I I didn't realize it, but I I was the prey. God hunted me down, and he got me. And, and it's God that chooses us. So any doctrine that would say that you have the fine, that God has done all he can do for you, and now it's up to you, that's a corrupt doctrine. Don't listen to it. And don't allow your children to listen to it either. In John chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus stated, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Listen, every cult is centered on a person other than Christ. The Mormons focus on Joseph Smith. There's Buddhism, Islam, the Jehovah Witnesses. By the way, this, this one gets under the radar, is not considered a cult, but they're probably the, one of the biggest cults in the world, and that's Roman Catholicism. Who does Roman Catholicism focus on? That's right, Mary. So don't be deceived by what appears to be such a a spectacular faith. They're a cult. And by the way, there are many there are many modern fundamentalists today who also focus on someone other than Christ. They focus on the free will of man. And that is a corrupt doctrine. All of these point to corruptible men. So tonight, in determining our doctrine, our doctrine must meet the proofs of truth. And this will determine true doctrine. But then, secondly, tonight, I want us to consider, when we consider our doctrine, doctrine demonstrated. In Romans chapter 12, Paul states in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is the responsibility of every child of God to walk worthy of the Lord. In other words, we are to live our lives in such a way that we do not bring a reproach to the Lord. Now the question is, how do we live our lives in such a way as to demonstrate sound doctrine. Uh, Well, Paul outlines the process in this passage of Scripture in Romans. It begins, letter A on your study sheets, it begins with commitment. He stated in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen. You and I can demonstrate sound doctrine by living a life of commitment to Christ. The demonstration of our doctrine begins with a total commitment to the Lord. Every great saint of God's found in Scripture has come to this conclusion. David writes in Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. 
Solomon, in his great wisdom, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, states, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Our doctrine will determine where our commitments lay. When we follow corrupt doctrines, our commitments will be given to things other than the Lord and his purposes for our life. Listen, so many of these, uh, so many of the charismatic people today, what are, they, what are they really living for? Anyone tell me? Health, wealth, and prosperity, right? That's what they're living for. They don't believe in happiness unless, they're, they're, unless they've got lots of money and they're healthy and, and, and they're, they're living a lush life. But that's not what the great men of God and scriptures have always done. Look at men such as Paul, men such as Peter, James, and John who had nothing. Yet they found themselves to be quite wealthy in the grace of God. The demonstration of our doctrine begins with commitment. Oh, listen, young parents in, in this room tonight. You know, you know what's the greatest gift you could give your children? You know the greatest lesson you can teach your children is this. Be committed to Christ. No job, no house, no prosperity comes before the Lord. Whatever we must do in life, we will do by honoring the Lord with our life of commitment. Teach your children to be committed to Christ. I've never been able to give my children wealth. I don't own a home, and I probably never will. I've, 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 and I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me right now. Uh, I chose, uh, my wife and I, we chose the life we have. We chose to, to live our life in the ministry, serving others, and, and working for the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. I hope one day my children will look down at me as I, as I, as I prepare to enter my reward. And, and they'll be able to say, my daddy loved the Lord. My daddy loved Christ. And he lived his life for his glory. That's what I want to do tonight. I, I don't care if I drive a big car. I don't care if I live in a, in a shack. I just want, I want to be able to stand one day and look at the Lord and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We can demonstrate our doctrine by our commitments. And listen, let me say secondly, this commitment leads to correction. In verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, Paul said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sound and true doctrine will not only cause us to commit our lives to the Lord, but once we have committed our lives to God, a transformation in our life begins to take place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul states, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Let me ask you, are the old things in your life, have they passed away? So often people get saved and they don't want to let go of the old things. But I found that once I got saved, God started jerking and pulling away all those old things. And he started replacing them with new things. Oh, there's, there's a transformation. Our good doctrine leads us to begin correcting our lives and, and, and removing the things that would, that would cause us to be a reproach to Christ. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16, we read, For who hath known the mind of the, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We are a new creature in the nature, the mind of Christ dwells within us today through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it is this nature that teaches us all things according to the will of God. So true sound doctrine leads us to commitment, then, which leads us to correction. And then thirdly, the result is confirmation. Again, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul states that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, we know true doctrine when we see it and when we hear it. In Matthew chapter 7, Paul states, a good, true cannot, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. You know, most, most people don't deal with as many people as, as, as Pastor and I do and, and, and many of our, our people here do. Today, people are so easily misled, aren't they? It, seems like, it almost seems like people want to be deceived today. And that's because corrupt men desire a doctrine that will allow them to remain corrupt, yet give them a semblance of faith. Did you hear what I said? Corrupt men want a doctrine that will allow them to remain corrupt, while having a a semblance of faith. Paul states in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And that's where we are today in America. Listen, churches like ours aren't overflowing with people because people, uh, the, the mass of people don't want to hear the truth. They say, don't confuse me with the truth. Lie to me so I can feel good. But after their own lusts, Paul said, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. However, true doctrine in the ears of God's elect saints serves to convict and to admonish us. It serves to cause us to understand and to embrace truth. So we see doctrine determined. We see, we see doctrine demonstrated. And then thirdly tonight, I want us to consider doctrine delivered. Doctrine delivered. In 1 John chapter 1, We read verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. You know, we're not supposed to envy. But tonight I'm envious. I'm envious of John. 
Because John actually touched Jesus. John actually walked with Jesus. He, he, he leaned his head upon Jesus' breast. He, he actually was with the Lord, and I'm envious of John. Now remember, doctrine is defined as teaching. So not only is it important to know what is taught, but it is equally important to consider who is teaching it. Turn with me to 1 Timothy, just, just uh, two books back toward the front. 1 Timothy, chapter 4. 1 Timothy, chapter 4. And let's, let's look at verse 11. 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 11. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The apostle made it very clear in this, in this passage that they have furthered the teachings of Christ. They did not spin tales or, or fables for our enjoyment. Peter states in 2 Peter chapter 1, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be, uh, that ye may be able after my decre- decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Most assuredly today we can rest in the truth that these men were eyewitnesses of the doctrines of Christ. And this makes sure the truth that we hold dear today. And now it falls upon us, <laughs> upon you and upon me, it falls upon us to continue in this doctrine, to perpetuate this truth, <clears throat> and to proclaim the gospel of Christ without compromise, without corruption, whether it is popular or not, whether it is accepted or not. Regardless of the consequence, in Hebrews chapter 13 we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And we can stand today, and we can teach And we can preach pure doctrine. And we can do this with confidence, knowing that the Lord himself will propagate his truth from generation to generation. For in Psalm 102 and verse 12 we read, But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Men try to silence the truth of God. Men have tried throughout history 
to destroy the Bible, to, to stop the mouth of, of preachers. It's impossible because the Lord himself shall endure forever and the remembrance of the Lord shall endure unto all generations. Our foundation, just as a house needs a firm foundation to stand, so our spiritual house needs a firm foundation. And we dare not lay a foundation based upon the opinions or the philosophies of men. Our foundation must be anchored in the unchanging, incorruptible doctrines of Christ. True doctrine will lead us. It will lead us to make and keep our commitments to Christ. True doctrine will lead us to live our life worthy of Christ. And true doctrine will lead us to confirm truth and remain steadfast in Christ. I close with this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 57 and 58, Paul states, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, we come before you now and we, we, we realize, Lord, how feeble we are. And Lord, we realize and we understand that we're corrupt men. But you've called us unto righteousness. You've called us unto holiness. You've empowered us. You've given us the ability to walk worthy through through our, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Therefore, Father, I pray that each of us here tonight would, would take heed to the doctrines that we allow to enter into our homes, that we would, that we would hold our doctrines to the, to the test, the proofs of truth, and that we, would, that we would confirm our doctrines by our faith and by our life, that we would demonstrate, that we would demonstrate the power of truth by our lives. Help us tonight, Lord, as we leave this place. Help us to be living examples of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the, all that have come tonight. We pray that you would bless our pastor and, and Pam as they are with family tonight, and I pray that you, you'd, you'd refresh them and strengthen them. And help us, Lord, to be good and faithful servants, continuing in sound doctrine. For we ask this in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.